Welcome to today's episode of Project Redemption, real-life stories, redeemed, restored, retold. I'm your host, Athena Dean Holtz, and thanks for hanging out with us today. Welcome to today's episode of Project Redemption, where I am going to introduce you to one of the most hilarious women I know, and you are going to love her. So not only is she a team member with Redemption Press, she is an award-winning author, and she is under contract with a traditional publisher. So you're going to hear all about that later in the podcast. But Sarah Cormany, welcome to the podcast today. I am just delighted to spend some time with you. Well, and I'm delighted to spend time with you. You are also one of my favorite people. Well, we have the Mutual Admiration Society going on. I'll tell you what. I could say lots of things about Sarah right now, but I'm going to just say her bio is in the show notes. So check it out there. But um, we are going to talk about a number of things. But first, because I know what a hoot you are, Sarah, we want to hear some fun facts about you from your own lips. I'm not going to try and share them. I would love for you to share them. Well, if, if you look at the fun facts, you may that's on your list, you may go, how is that fun, Sarah? You use, a, <laughs> you use a cane, you get lost all of the time. Those are your fun facts. But I have a story that draws yes. all of that together for you. So a few, well, it was just a few weeks ago, my daughter and I were on our way to the East Coast. And I, as mentioned, I walk with a cane and many, many moons ago when I had a stroke, which is the reason for the cane, my physical therapist, and I think it was only because she was like, I have to give this woman some concession or she's not going to listen to anything I say. So she said, you don't have to use the cane in your house because it is this environment that you're used to, but for the love, please use your cane when you go anywhere else or you will face plant on the floor. And so for now, I will say there have been a few moments where I was naughty and did not use my cane outside of the house. But for the most part, I have one cane in each car and they're cute canes. They're not the boring kind. They're the cute ones. So that when I go out and about, I am safe. Well, so cute. So cute. Like, do they have ribbons? Do they have uh, bells? Now, what? I have had friends who said that they would bedazzle it for me, but mm-hmm. I know not so much. I'm kind of a flower girl. I have one that's purple and uh-huh. red flowers, and then I have one that's pink, and it has subtlety in it. And mm-hmm. that was the one I planned to bring with me to Blue Ridge, but I forgot. Uh-oh. Because you we forgot? Here's why. Because we used a car that was a rental. And so it wasn't just there in the car. And about halfway to our first stop, I go, I didn't bring my cane. And my daughter, mom. And I was like, oh, I'm fine. I don't need one. And if you could see her face, it was like, 
woman, what are you on? You need to get a grasp on reality. So for the next 30 minutes, she convinced me we had to stop at Walgreens the very second we got to our first stop. So Walgreens almost failed us though, because all those cute canes, there was not one to be found. They were all boring. They were all hospital grade. And then like Moses parted the Red Sea, we found in the very back, a metallic blue flowered cane Mm. that not only had flowers on it, it was collapsible. So it was fancy. Mm. And when I got the car, I took the sticker off and I found out something even more beautiful. It glowed in the dark. I know. Not like I needed anything to make me any more, you know, obvious and ridiculous. But I was like, we were going to the mountains. It does get dark. This could be a great idea. Okay. So I'm going to segue into what is the one thing that you would want our listeners to know about you? What is one thing I would want other than being hilarious? (laughs) The one thing I think I would want listeners to know, and I think this story just proves it perfectly, is that if Jesus can use me messy and broken and even sometimes a little ridiculous, he can use you too. And that is, I think, the anthem of my life that I, I don't need people to see my talents, my perfection, my gifts. I, I want you to see my messiness because mm-hmm. that's where Jesus shines through. And it's true of all of us that our mess is not something to be afraid of. You know, I think in our culture, we kind of went from this time period where we just showed that perfect facade to everyone for the long time. That was that was early into my generation, my parents' generation. And then we went on this big kick of like authenticity and you throw it all out there. And now we're kind of in that place where people are, oh, you're just perfect the way you are. Well, I will tell you that over the last 20, almost 22 years of walking with chronic disease, chronic illness, walking through hard things. I am messy. We are messy. And we need to be honest about that messiness. But then we need to go back to the God who loves us perfectly within that messiness. Mm, So, so good. Amen. Okay. So before I ask you my first, like my big question, I want to hear your favorite scripture or if you have a lifetime verse and and why. Okay. So as I think I'm kind of an out of a box kind of girl, I know for some people their life verse just sticks with them from here on out and from here to until home. But for me, I've really found that there have been different verses in different seasons of my life that Mm -hmm. God just continues to press into my heart. And I think this season speaks of Psalm 27, 13 beautifully. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. There is a lot that we carry 
I don't think there is ever any season in our life we, where we aren't navigating hard things. And I think sometimes we get lost in our believing that everything has to be easy all the time. I think life is hard all the time. And that's, and that's the opposite, right? Right? Life is hard all the time. There are different things. There are different places in your story. But there's always something hard we're working through. And for us, in a season where we're parenting teenage babies, and whew, that is not for the faint of the heart, we are in a season where there hurts, where there are hard things, they're not for everybody. They're for us to protect. They're for us to hold for them until they can reveal that themselves. And so I have had to go back many times to the hard pieces of our story because they've always yielded beauty, redemption, mm -hmm. and growth. And I can go back as I'm looking at the, my heart today and know that it's yielding tomorrow's beauty. It's yielding tomorrow's growth. It's yielding tomorrow's redemption. And I can just keep going. And that's where you can see the hope in that as opposed mm -hmm. to, I mean, I would have lost hope if I had to, you know, I mean, you've been through a lot and many people who go through some of the things that you go through with chronic pain and chronic illness and all the things, they get bitter. And you have just allowed the Lord to work in your heart. I have a wonderful story, if you will indulge me for just a moment. Absolutely. Okay. So we are in the middle of what we call our grief gauntlet. My daddy passed away almost nine years ago. Mm -hmm. And there are just, and I've talked to a lot of people who have been through loss. There's always a season of the year that is just a booger. And for us, it starts at my birthday because that was also my parents' wedding anniversary. And then it goes through Father's Day. And then we go through my father's birthday, and which also is my brother's birthday, leading up to July 2nd, which is his homegoing. Mm -hmm. And one of the things my daddy believed in me, and he should not have, was that I could keep plants alive. I, there were so many times he would show up on my doorstep with some little thing. I'm like, dad, what are you doing? And so my very first Mother's Day, he brought me a daffodil. And he was like, Sarah, you can't kill this. We're going <laughs> to so at least he was learning. He's like, we're going to plant it and it'll be this beautiful reminder. Every Mother's Day, it will come back and you will just have all these wonderful feelings. And I'm sure I was just like, dad, no, I, you know, and now I'm like, I should have been like, oh, daddy, that was wonderful. But in the moment, in the reality of the moment, I was just like, what? Okay, whatever. And so every time, every season, he would come over. He was my baby watcher when I had my stroke and was going to the hospital every other day. He would take the kids out and water plants. And those, those are the things they remember doing with him, mm -hmm. even though it's been so long. Um, even the one that was about three still remembers that. 
But I had kind of forgotten about the daffodil until uh, a year after he had passed away. And something in me just went, oh no, I forgot to water the flowers. And when we're in grief, we get emotional. It's like, I've killed my dad's flowers and they're never gonna be back and whatever. And I go outside and they bloomed. It was the day before my birthday, they mm -hmm. bloomed. Wow. Heard things and beauty, but do you know what's even better? Is that I realized those flowers weren't for me. They were for my mom mm. so that every anniversary I could bring her flowers mm. from my dad. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Mm. Beauty, hard things, they go hand in hand. They do. Bitter, sweet. Amen. Yep. Mm. So good. Man, that's an emotional story. You make people laugh and you make them cry. You got it going on, girl. What's wrong with me? <laughs> okay, so now we're going to shift gears a little bit. And we're going to just talk about, just so our listening audience or maybe someone's watching on YouTube, give us a glimpse into the defining moment when Jesus really got a hold of you and just... You really like, okay, this, this is it. Not, you know, I mean, sometimes we all have like different um, yeah. stops along the way. And then there's the, the big moment where it really made a difference. I think maybe when it turns to real surrender, or maybe sometimes it's not that before, but just tell us what that looked like in your life. I think probably, even though there were moments, as you said, that that could have fallen in that category of surrender. Like when I had to walk away from the classroom because physically I was doing so poorly. Mm. I think the real defining season for us was when I had that stroke and then six months later uh, had a septic infection and I was in the ICU. It, the, our whole world just unraveled and melted down and I remember thinking, but God, I don't understand because like I had this experience. I've, I've lived within the palm of your hand dealing with the craziness of chronic illness and you've brought certain restoration and you've brought certain redemption and I've been able to be a mama and I've been able to go back into ministry and I've been able to work a little bit here and there. And it was just, we had a lot of really good conversations, Scott and I, on the way from my house to the hospital. That was our time. And I think at that point, I, I didn't appreciate what I had in that time with him until life got busier and healing started to happen. But I would I would be sad, I would be mad, I would be frustrated. And there was one day where I just, I was just like, God, I don't get it. I don't get it, I don't get it. I, I was doing all these great things and now I can barely take care of myself, I can barely take care of my babies. And very clearly, very clearly, he laid on my heart, Sarah. Ministry 
your time here was never about all the people that you thought you should have reached. It's mm. about the person in front of you. Mm. It's about the person who's sitting next to you in the waiting room, the person across from you at the grocery store, your babies, your husband, any person I place in front of you, that's who's important. That's who you're meant to love. Yes. Mm. And that, I love that, just that very clear call and clarification of what's important to him. And so, so how old were you when you had the stroke? I was, I believe, 33. So give us just a little insight on how God took that traumatic experience and brought good out of it. Because we've all got our Romans 8, 28 stories, multiple stories in our lives, but that's just such a, a wonderful example of how that hard thing in your life he has used in so many ways. But just tell us a little bit about what that looked like. Well, first of all, it started my journey as a writer. I had been a trained speaker. I trained people to be speakers. And all of a sudden, speaking didn't feel safe, but words on a page did. And I think especially as I've, I've I mean, I wouldn't have been here. I wouldn't have been sitting across from you over Zoom. I would have been doing many other things, but God in his wisdom, I think, took me down to a place of complete surrender, opened a world that I didn't even see as, as my calling and brought me through a beautiful remaking. And even I look at the book that I'm in process now with called Even When, it's all about our story. It's all about our brokenness. It's all about even when life is hard, God is good. And so walking through those stories, walking through all the hearts, all the hurts, all the happiness, all, all of it has really full circle brought me back to I would have lost heart because all of the hard things we're going through now I have been able to watch that redemption in the process of being a writer and writing that book, not two years ago, not one year ago, but now God is using that even now in my heart. And really with such um, traumatic things to go through, it's hard when you're in the middle of it to see Absolutely. That God could use it. But now you look back and go, whoa, that was some major um, life experience that just when you're authentic about it, people resonate with that. They don't resonate with our mountaintop experiences and our victories. They resonate with our struggles and Amen. just to and use it that way to take you from so much of the spoken word to the written word. And that's just such a healing journey anyway, just when we process our feelings and write, you know, just the struggles that we're going through, it does something in us as we write it. And then to have it, the ripple effect to minister to other people. I love that. 
I think in many ways it brings us back to the heart of a father. And I don't know why that is key in writing, but you think even David and the Psalms was through the written word that he found his way back to the goodness of God. And so I don't think it's by accident that the written word carries us to the heart of the father. I think it's part of how he built us and how he made us. Mm, that's so good. And David, so much of what he wrote was lament. It was not life. Is it was so not. No, not at all. Okay. So as we wrap this up, let me ask you this. Um, so this, the award-winning story we talked about at the beginning when I introduced you, um, you retold that in the chapter in, whoop, let's see, which way? There we go. In the She Writes for Him, Stories of Living Hope, uh, Liz Curtis Higgs, uh, Pam Farrell, and Debbie Alsdorf are in that same book with you. And your chapter was called This Crazy, Wonderful Little Life which did tell the, that hard story, right? It did. it did. It specifically talked about how it affected my journey as a mom. And, you know, mom guilt is everywhere. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're the mom of 20-year-olds or you're the mom of two-year-olds or you're the mom of 50-year-olds. I think we all deal with it no matter how old our babies are. And being thrown into a place where my body didn't work and I had tiny kids and it was pretty obvious that I was a whole heap of a mess. My th At the time, the three-year-old has now since told me, you know why I ran away from you a lot, mom? It was because I knew you couldn't run fast. And I was like, well, thank you. Thank you so much for that. But it really was another exercise of trusting God that he had given my babies this, this body, this mom, and I needed to trust him with it. And it's okay that it didn't look the same. And he has and continues to grow things in them through my messiness and my brokenness that are absolutely beautiful. Mm. Just like I those flowers. It. Just yep. like those flowers. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So in since I met you, which was 2020, I want to say, at the <laughs> She Writes for Him. Yes. Oh, yes, it was because all of the children were home and I was like a writing conference where I can shut myself in my room for like a whole weekend. Yes, please. Thank you. <laughs> so out of that, you wrote the chapter in the She Writes for Him Stories of Living Hope. Mm -hmm. And then you got signed with an agent and you, well, you started building your platform, right? Kind of leading up to that, signed with Blythe. And now you are under contract with a brand new traditional publisher writing. Tell us the title. Even when, mm. and I think the subtitle, don't quote me on this, but I think it is Experiencing God's Presence on Difficult Days. Ooh, that's a good one. That is a good description uh, of your life <laughs> or your second trimester. My crazy, wonderful little life, right? <laughs> yes. So so tell us then, I mean, your title and subtitle pretty much tell it, but 
add a little bit to the main message of your book, just so we know what to be anticipating? It's really at not to overcomplicate it is that even when life is hard, God is good. And you can experience that goodness fully through all the pain, through all the heartache, and God will be with you even when you doubt it. Mm. I love that. And when's it coming out? Do you have a, a release date? I think it's spring 2024, but being in the publishing world, it could... <laughs> Could it could change. Yes, it could. Yes. Oh, my friend, this has just been delightful. If we have some people listening or watching who would love to connect with you on social media or on your website, what's the best place for them to do that? Probably, probably Facebook or my website are probably the two places. Perfect. Please connect. I would love to be uh, talk to you or answer questions or just serve you in any way. That would be fun. Amen. So it's sarahcormany.com. It'll be in the link below It is indeed. on Facebook. It's Sarah Cormany and you have a pretty good following on Instagram too, but you're just more responsive on Facebook. Is that what yes. you're telling us? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely more responsive. So me too. me too. Well, my friend, thank you so much for spending time with us today. It is just always a delight to not only get to work with you, but to just get to do fun things with you. It was so fun to have you at Blue Ridge and be able to hug you. So just God bless your ministry as you continue, as God continues to unfold all the adventures he has for you because you always make them fun. Thank you, my friend. I love you. Hmm. Well, thanks for joining us today on the Project Redemption podcast, where we hear real life stories, redeemed, restored, retold brought to you by redemption press and romans 828 books and gifts we'd love to have you review and follow this podcast share it with friends and family and help us get the word out on your preferred digital platform so again thanks for joining me today and i'll look forward to being with you again next week for another episode of project redemption real life stories, redeemed, restored, retold.